Hi, this is Savannah. And this is Brian from the Dorky Diva Show. And you're listening to Star Wars. The best place for below average Star Wars. Hello there, and welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. I'm the Jordy Jedi Pete, and I'm joined by the Canon Junkie XL, Ian. Ian, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, I'm feeling good, mate. If you believe it or not, this is actually our 60th episode of the podcast, so a little milestone for us today. That's awesome. Yep, episode 60. We are 60 episodes in, and hopefully many more to go still. Um... Yeah, we're here today to talk about War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, obviously, the first issue of the actual War of the Bounty Hunters run is out now, Most Wanted. Um, we've also had the director's cut, uh, which was sort of a preload to War of the Bounty Hunters, um, which was called Precious Cargo. Um, and then I have not read them, but I know you have been, obviously, the, the tie-ins in the Star Wars comic and the Vader comic and whatnot. Um and we're going to sort of deep dive on War of the Bounty Hunters and how it started and how exciting it is to have some uh, characters who weren't expecting to come back, come back early on. Definitely, mate. Yeah, that was one hell of a surprise. Definitely. But before we dive into War of the Bounty Hunters, let's just get some housekeeping out of the way. Um, Ian, housekeeping-wise, have you have you had any Star Wars going on lately? Have you purchased it's pre-ordered? Uh, I've done a couple of pre-orders so far. I uh, I picked up Hunter and Crosshair from the Bad Batch line a while back, so I've already uh, pre-ordered uh, Wrecker and uh, Tech just to complete that. My uh, Darth Maul 50th anniversary uh, publishing figure, Black Series figure, came. Uh, I like I love that figure because I've got the uh, tra- trade paperback of the comic that he was introduced in. Uh, other than that, just trying to think. Uh, I got a couple of single issues of the World of Bounty Hunters because I enjoyed it that much. Because I buy, I buy all my comics digitally because I don't have a local comic book store. But when something does hit right, I uh, ordered them from Forbidden Planet. They came the other day. And other than that, no, that's it, mate. Really, just waiting for the uh, High Republic Rising Storm to come out at the end of the month. Yourself. Good. I've been pretty busy on the pre orders um, so on the UK website, I picked up the uh, 50th anniversary um, Black Series line. Obviously, we know they've been releasing some figures with the 50th anniversary logo on. Um, some of them were just, um, you know, sort of kind of packaging um, from sort of the 70s. Um, the Clone Wars ones are being released in the actual Clone Wars packaging from the 2000s, and then they are now doing the Luke Skywalker, a Han Solo, and a Greedo figure, Hasbro six-inch Black Series figures, but they're on the power of the Force cards from the 90s, which is the main line I collected and played with as a kid, so I was like, I need those, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just, I've just pre-ordered those this morning. Um, so that's those three pre-ordered, um, and then I've also pre-ordered um, the Republic Trooper, from the old Republic, um, 
So I think he had his character debut like a long time ago. He got released once, I think, as a vintage collection callback. Um, so this is uh, this was voted for from the vault to be re. So I pre-ordered that from Hasbro Pulse as well. That's awesome. And he does. Has next week the body released twice. Yeah. In the uh, deluxe price range, because uh, of the cloak, and my first thought was, "Oh, like, what a money grab that is!" I also did pre-order it, so um, I am part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like no the bigger figures that come with more accessories. I think yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's price at the it's price at the deluxe range, unless the price band's gone up. But like, it's price at twenty six ninety nine here in the UK, where Standard Black Series figures are twenty one ninety nine. So to me, that, <laughs> to me, that says it is at the deluxe price brand. So, but it looks like you just get him with the two blasters, and then he comes with the cloak on. So, yeah, it's probably it's a bit of a money grab, but it does look awesome. So I did, I did grab it. Um, I also got a cool little eBay purchase. Uh, Mister Edward Bay, I bought Star Wars Episode One Incredible Cross Sections. Um, oh, that's it. So this is from 1999. Um, on the cover, it's got a the Naboo N1 Starfighter and it compound it, and it's all like the cross sections. The cross section is cut away. Um, so yeah, so um, it's not the biggest of books, um, but I've through and then some pages that like fold out in like three pages to show you to show you more. But it's got everything from the Naboo R Starship to Darth Maul's Sith. Infiltrator, uh, they've got the pod racers in there, they've got the droid starfighters, um, everything from Corson Cloud Taxis, they've got the AAT Battle Tank, um, got the staff, the Trade Federation, got the Nebu Speeders, um, so yeah, like pretty much everything that's in the movie. The Republic Cruiser, which I love in the Phantom Menace, the Republic Cruiser, again, um, is in there as well. That was a really good. We got picked it up for like, it's got a twelve ninety nine sticker on, so like originally it cost twelve ninety nine back in nineteen ninety nine, but I picked it up for like three pounds seventy. So, um, that's a good. Very fit. happy with that to come. Yeah, and like the dust jacket's a little bit torn on the edges, but other than that, it's in pretty alright condition, and the inside pages are pretty cool. You can see everything. So, yeah, I was really happy to pick that up. Um, yeah, really, really happy. Sounds. Another thing that's been happening in Star Wars is uh, I noticed Cassian Andor is like still filming. They've just moved to some more locations, so it seems to be like never ending. They're filming on on Andor, which to me gets me excited because it's like how many different worlds and planets are we going to go to in this series? Yeah, it sounds massive in scale. Like obviously they were filming up not far from us recently, and then I think they've moved further down south now. I think if that's the case. Uh, uh, yeah, it sounds absolutely massive in scope. Like Andor, and I'm really excited for the show. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good one. Uh, Cassian, like a rebel spy type show. This is very uh, intriguing to me. Oh yeah, definitely. So I can't wait for that. So that was that was cool to read. Essentially, I just read article. I was like, oh, now filming here, and I was like, all right. Like I thought I had stopped by now, but no. So yeah, that's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, exciting times. Um, Let's sort of move on to our main topic of discussion today, which is War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, so when this got announced, pretty exciting. Um, you know, it was Charles Soule is going to be writing the main comic line. 
and it's also going to feed into the other Star Wars comics that are out at the same time. Um, obviously, Charles Soule's brilliant. Um, and he did release this, this alpha sort of prelude director's cut called um, Precious Cargo. Um, what were your sort of overall thoughts reading reading the director's cut? Uh, it was just uh, to me. It was obviously uh, the standard like opening to a major event. Obviously, we see Boba Fett on Nash Shadar, so we'll get into that. And uh, I thought it was a really uh... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. I thought it was a really uh, uh, solid start to the uh, to the whole massive crossover event, which, like you say, which obviously uh, spans all these different comics, and it's going to be a. It's Marvel said it's the biggest crossover event they've ever done, Star Wars wise. So yeah, I thought it was a really solid thing. Obviously, we'll get into the minutia of the actual issue in a minute, but yeah, I thought it was a really solid start. I enjoyed it. The uh, art, the artwork. I must say, I uh, I messaged the artist the other day, Luke Ross, because he's my he's my favorite Star Wars comic artist out there because his his artwork's just absolutely tremendous. So. Yeah, I couldn't recommend it any higher. It was a really good, really solid start. The uh, opening, obviously, the alpha, the prelude to the war about Yonas. Yeah, definitely, and it is going to be ruined. So, just how big it is, it's going to be. It's got its own comic line in War of the Bounty Hunters. It will then also be running through the Star Wars line, the Star Wars Bounty Hunters line, the Darth Vader line, and the Doctor Afra line. Um, plus, so... plus they have a, a like five one shot issues coming out. With different characters. So is that like, so that the IG eighty eight one? Yeah, Jabba the Hut one, Zuckers and Fall on, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So game are getting some lots of underworld characters there, um, getting one offs as well. So yeah, it is. It is looking quite quite big. Um, I'm probably not going to pick them all up. I just wanted to start get a good starting point. I'll probably wait for the trade paper back to be honest. Um, so you know the, the the director's cut, like I loved. I thought it was very fast paced. It got us to like. Essentially, got us from Cloud City to Boba's current problem really quick, which I did enjoy. You know, we start off with Boba Fett, he's on the way to Jabba the Hutt, tells me he's got his package, he's talking to Big Fortuna. And then all of a sudden, you notice a few little red specks on, on Han Solo in Carbonite on his hand, and then it starts beeping. Boba's like, I'll call you back. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, obvious, it's obvious that the. Uh, Harning carbon freeze is not stable. Um, yeah, they, and he's... they said the uh, carbonite matrix is uh, unstable because uh, there's an organic in it. So yeah, so he ends up going to North Shadow, the Smuggler's Moon. It takes a little a little stop off um, where he meets a, a moth from the species, but the Dexter Dexter type creature. Oh, what are they call is it? It's not a, it's a basset something. Keep talking. I'll just Google it now. <laughs> So yeah, so he, he goes there, which is a really cool. Um, he's like a doctor type guy, I believe, or mechanic. Yeah, he's <laughs> um, a doctor. Yeah, well, I don't know if he's an official doctor, but one of, the, but one of these uh, dodgy doctors, Besselisk. Yeah, Besselisk is. That's so, yeah, so, he, so he's here, and he's got a lot of character about him. Fets like, can you fix him up? He's like, yes, I can. I can definitely fix it up for you for a price. Um, <laughs> Boba says I'm good to pay a double once I get dropped him off with Jabba the Hutt and he's like you know me I never ever give people work on credit you've got to pay up front first um, yeah. Boba down on his luck doesn't have actually any money at the minute um, 
and what he says is, well, if you can't pay us up front, what you can do is that you can go and uh, kill this person I don't like, but this person is um, a fighting champion. Yeah. Like an arena champion, yeah. So you have to do that in... Like the deterioration of the carbonite and Han Solo inside it. Um, just to show you how serious yeah, the situation it... is. Yeah, because at first I thought it was just going to be him wake up, but no, if it deteriorates, he dies. So he needs to get this sorted. Yeah, the the doctor makes very clear that like the carbon freeze is deteriorating, but that doesn't mean that it will become unfrozen. Like essentially, yeah. it just means that it will deteriorate, and any organics inside of it will die and turn to goo. Is what he says. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so he ends up going to the, you know, he has to go yeah. and register for this battle. Um, yeah, but at first, uh, the great moment is first where he's uh, he's talking about he doesn't need any more problems and uh, his armour comes with a certain uh, reputation, so he gives him some black, like, uh, paint. And that's where we get the Boba Fett on the front cover with the black paint, because they have to paint his armour because he obviously doesn't want, he doesn't want uh, any trouble because obviously his armour comes with a great reputation. Yeah, so this creature is going to kill, um, sort of works for the uh, Kanji Huts. Um, in the Kanji Huts, obviously, Boba doesn't want to kill their champion, and the Kanji Huts come after him. Um, so he very much doesn't want to go by that name on that moniker or, or look that way. Um, and paints himself up. Yeah. And he's essentially like matte black, shiny black paint. Um, yeah. And they ask him what his name is, and he goes by the name of Django. Which is salt, which is um, awesome, yeah. Yeah, and then we also get um he's waiting to go out into the arena and then we also get a picture of the last time he was in the arena, which was as his father's helmet up with his helmet with his father's seven head inside it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so a little bit of human emotion there as if that's what's going through his mind. Um, yeah, it's a good moment. As the door opens and then it's it's very quick to show he you know, he flies through one challenger who is um Johnny the Sting. Um, yeah. <laughs> he kills him pretty quick. He's like a creature, looks a bit like a Rathor, maybe not quite, but looks somewhat a Rathor. Um, and then he fights Scullycon, who he blasts Scullycon's heads off. Um, yeah, the commentary, the commentary in this one was pretty funny, though. Definitely. Obviously. And then he ends up, uh, doesn't tell you who he fights the third time around, but it's a, um, I think it's a Nymudian, is how you say it, the uh, same species as actually, no, maybe not. Um, no, I think he's a Duro, which is obviously the same species of Cab Bane. So he slices his head off. <laughs> yeah. And then he and then he fights a uh, big bot. He's called he looks like half a Gamorian god, half a robot. Um well yeah. that's what he is, and I don't know. Um and Django, he shoots him in the head. Nice no, championship fight. Um then he sort of back. Why men like fight them? Just be champ for a long time. Most um, and this is when the guy Europe for the final match. Um, this is like this is going to suit the champion hundred. Yeah, yeah. And you turn the page and you find out that uh, Lyman Nikta is like a Spider Woman, and they've changed the arena up to be a Spider as well, essentially. Um, yeah, 
some ball balls Correct. out there, so I managed to straight away. Yeah. So then I'm having a fight, which is really cool. Boba holds his own. Um, we'll get to see him using his jetpack, using his wrist rockets, um, his blasters, uses his knife as well. She ends up um, putting one of our spider's eggs, like for his shoulder, I think. So yeah, he's, he's yeah. pretty knackered. His jetpack ends up getting stuck to um, like a support beam with from the, from her spider's web, and then she's about to come and kill him. But what she doesn't realize is that Boba's jetpack's positioned. So it's aimed right at her. She's standing over him. And obviously he uses his wrist pad to fire the rocket from the jetpack and kills her and becomes champion. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Obviously he goes to the desk. He wants his winnings. The energy huts are like, uh, we've took your winnings um, because you kill our champion. But if you fight for us, um, you can sort of earn our money and your money back. Obviously Fett's like, no, I need to get back to Han, so I need to get back to Jabba Hutt. So he just tells him to keep it. Um, so you can see, yeah, he's definitely not after trouble. It's just he just this hand solo problem, so you can just yeah. get it sorted out. Um, and then we find out that the uh, the doctor has been shot, and Han Solo has been stolen. Yeah. Um, and when Boba gets back, he finds the doctor bleeding out, green blood. Um, and then Boba gets the hut and Bib Fortuna. Uh, you know that, that Java is not happy at all. Um, no. <laughs> that that is been Boba tells him it's going to be a minute, and then the last thing is essentially one One of the things I loved about this direct that's cut is that like a black and white version of the comic. Um, yeah. No, with no. So it's got no thought balls, no speech balls, um, no graphics. It's just drawings. And some of the panels look even more sort of fantastic this way. Yeah, that's the Luke Ross. Luke Ross does an amazing job with the artwork. So I think in this in this issue, it's actually um, who did I say it was again? So Luke Ross takes over for episode for issue one of War oh. the Monument. Knows yes, but for this one, it was Steve McNiven. Oh no, dear. Sorry, man. <laughs> Yeah, I thought so, yeah, I knew Luke Ross had done the first one. I assumed he'd uh, done the uh, the uh, first issue. But yeah, so like when it's black and white, it's like looks fantastic. You know, like you literally get prints of this and put it on your wall. It would look brilliant. Um, so yeah, so I love it. I thought it was very quick. A um, lot of things going on, a lot of detail, but very quick, fast-paced. Sets you up that Boba's gone through this whole battle. Like... A hell of a ordeal to get Han Solo in the condition he needs to get him in and drop him off to end all this, and then he gets yeah. back and then Han's gone. So it's like this is actually just the beginning of of your journey here, and it's going to be a wild ride for you. Was what I took away from it. Yeah, definitely very fast paced, uh, like you said, and just it was like a fun, fun opening to the uh, obviously the massive crossover event we're about to uh, all see together. No, definitely, definitely, and then. Um, I think some of my favorite. I love the deterioration in the carbonite. How it was very subtle, but enough the way like this is what's happening. Like there's big problems here, um. So I enjoyed that. Those panels with the hand solo and carbonite deteriorating. Uh, I love the panel, young Boba holding the helmet. And that was what was going through his mind as he entered an arena, as if it was like a flashback. You know, I haven't been in an arena in a while, but last time I happened, this bad thing happened. Um, and how it just essentially that pain sort of motivated him to just, you know, 
fight about these four contenders and then take out the champion. So again, yeah. a bit more sort of a bit more human nature at the Boba Fett, which continues what we've seen in the Mandalorian Boba Fett as well, which is good. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I they do. That. I think they do. I think they're doing what they did with Darth Maul with Boba Fett. Obviously, turn a very obviously Darth Maul into Phantom Menace, a very one-dimensional character. Looks awesome, cool character. Doesn't do a lot. Doesn't say a lot. Obviously, has that awesome lightsaber duel, but then we all think he dies. But then obviously they bring him back in Clone Wars, and now he's a very obviously multifaceted, intriguing character. And I think that's what they'll do with Boba Fett in this, and then obviously with the book of Boba Fett later in the year. Yep. So that brings us into War of the Bounty Hunters issue one, Most Wanted, written by Charles Soule and uh, illustrated by Lou Gross. There we go. Um, <laughs> and this one starts off like the opposite, where we, we see Han Solo and Carbonite in perfect hibernation. Um, which, you know, is a change from, from the last one we read. Obviously, uh, yeah, the doctor did the work before they uh, shot him. Yeah. So there's this spaceship called the Vermilion, which is in the mid-rim deep space. Um, it looks very peculiar, almost similar design aesthetic though to Dryden Ross's yacht, I would say. Yes, um, there's a, obviously we'll, we'll get into the big surprise at the end, but there is subtle hints throughout the uh, throughout the issue. When I, obviously when I was reading, it, I was thinking, no, I don't think obviously uh, this will happen. But no, yeah, there's there is subtle hints to uh, uh, what's happening. Is also going on the issue. Yeah, so this this first panel we see Han Solo and Carbonite and the, the people who are there. We don't know who they are. We can't really see them, but they're talking about uh, how we um, imagine the process is quick. But whether due to the Carbonite or something else, look at his face. It's clear at this moment this man was an extraordinary pain. So it's sort of tying the fact like was the process what caused the pain or was it the fact he was sort of getting taken away yeah. from Leia and Chewie. Is that what causing the pain? It's probably a mixture of both, I would imagine. Um, I also didn't realise that the person bringing Han Solo to this mysterious hooded figure is uh, Margot Trinia from Solo, the Star Wars story. Yep. There's a lot, lot of Solo tie-ins in the, in the first part of this book, uh, which is cool. You know, definitely with the with the world and, like, you know, Solo certainly deals with that. So I think it, it's like the from other aspects of Star Wars. So the story group doing a good job there in suggesting things for the uh, creators. Um, so yeah, essentially they're talking about how, oh, by the way, we took him from someone, but yeah. that someone was working for Boba Fett and this woman um, who's hooded is sort of saying, you know, gives it the big licks, but yeah. Yes, I know. He's good, but he's just one man, and we're all of this. If he wants his property back, um, he's welcome to try. And it's just like I probably wouldn't be saying that, you know. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't be mouthing off about Bob. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me like John Wick when they're joking about like, when they steal yeah. his car in the first movie, and it's like, oh, haha, it's just like one man. What's he going to do? And then yeah. uh, John, <laughs> John Wick, you know, he's like, damn it. Um, yeah, because so yeah, I'm that. Uh... There's a part in John Wick where they find out it's him and they said, you killed his dog and they're all like, uh-oh. <laughs> and they're like, uh-oh. So the story starts off with Boba Fett. Uh, he's still in hot space. He's still on North Shadow. The Smuggler's Moon. Um, he's sort of having a drink in a bar. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, he says someone's going to die because someone stole something from him. Um, and as I'm he's look- doing that, there's this... 
as I say, mate, I love the fact the bartender. Like, if you read the comics, the bartender's the same guy all the way through. Like, this guy's been bartending at his bar for a very long time on that, should I? Yeah, at least he, it's good to know that he's uh, hasn't been killed by any of the patrons or any. It's good to know that he's come up against the uh, the Luke Skywalkers and the Darth Mauls of the world. So he's done all right for himself. Definitely. Uh, you see this couple in the background. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm just checking to see about you. And Boba Fett's head pops up, open contract. Um, and then he goes, he's just over there. I'm going to go get him. Um, yeah. Fett sees him in the outline of a glass. Again, it's a really good panel. Fett turns around and just blasts him. No questions asked. Like, see you there. Yeah, I love the fact that he, I love the fact that he doesn't like check. Like, the, the bartender asks him, he's like, oh, what was that about? He's like, oh, who knows? Money, revenge. It's all the same thing. <laughs> Now we see him walking through the streets of North Shadow. Um, sends a message before Trina saying um, he's got a bit of deliver the packages agreed won't be a problem. Um, he would know it's definitely one big problem at the minute. We see him born say of war. I've seen it. Yep. Now we see him as a I've never spoken like the third person. Yeah, he's like the rock. He's like the rock of, uh, of yeah. uh, the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, Sucus, he always thinks, yeah, it's good. Sucus thinks Boba Fett should stay down if he wants to survive the next few minutes. Yeah, it's like it's really, it was really, uh, I don't know. He, um... he can, yeah, he can see into the future as well, can't he? Yeah, well, so we're going to get that because he's, he drops a few bits here. So, like, uh, Fett's obviously not happy, gets up, he's got a point of us, and he jetpacks up, but then. Uh, fall on behind him. The blast off, Fett flies down, drops his guns, they'll have a conversation. Um, and essentially, Boba ends up using his, gaining his wrist pad, handy wrist pad, which allows him to activate things not around him um, for yeah. Slave One's cannons to move and he shoots the deck. Um, even with that, Zuckus is hanging from the landing pad, um, still talking in the third person. Um, <laughs> he's set. Sokos tells him he'll tell him his uh, future. He says, everything is red, a sea of red, and you are drowning in it, which I think good. maybe shows that Sokos really can see the future because to me he's describing the uh, Pit of Carcoon yeah. from Return of the Jedi with the Sarlacc inside of it in the Dune Sea. Um, Boba kicks him off the ramp and land at the end of Sokos, maybe. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think so because we don't like said so we don't see him die, and there is a one shot Zuckus and Fall on comic coming out with the Water Battle. So I don't, I don't think we've seen the last of them. And then we see Fall on, who is um, sort of his legs being blasted off by that blaster shot. He's just lying on the deck, but he's still conscious. Um, Fett cuts his head off, takes his head into the ship, um, plugs it in because he wants to find out the information and that's where yeah. Fett finds out that there's a price on him it's an open contract so anyone in the galaxy will be coming after him um, and that's when he finds out the client is Jabba the Hood yeah and we go to Tatooine it's really cool um, always though always I, good to go to Tatooine I like how they've put like a bridge leading to Jabba's palace now um, yeah which I wonder if this is a different entrance so they want to return the Jedi um I mean, yeah, it's a big, yeah. big palace, so probably has multiple entrances, I would imagine. Yeah, it must do. I remember, I remember playing the old Force and Lease DLC, and there was a bridge you crossed to get to Jabba's palace in that. So, so, so yeah, this one has. 
something. So this has like the uh, the archway from the from the um, from the Macquarie concept art from the or Jack Hugh and fossil remains. That's like the yeah. Oh yeah, I never, never realised that. I never realised that. Yeah, it's a good uh, good sign that. Structure. Um, Fett's walking with the head. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, yeah. Some Gamorian pig gods are out straight away. Gods. Tells Bib like what's going on. Like I need to see Jabba clear it up. Bib says, "Look, we thought you'd sold sold someone else because someone else told us that they had him." Fetz, I need to clear it. Let's go see Jabba right now. That's when you find out that Jabba is actually not in the palace. He's on his um, he's on his war barge, the Shadru, which looks like, yeah. almost like it's like a space version of his a space worthy version of his sail barge he has while he drives around Talibina. Yeah, I love this because obviously we I, lo- I love this little bit here because they obviously have a really they have a really good conversation about obviously who has. Uh, Han Solo and Jabba himself says uh, there is, and also there is a nice tie into the uh, old uh, the High Republic because one of the, uh, the oldest huts is sleeping during this meeting where they're discussing this, and when he when he wakes up they're like, well, what do you think? He's like, oh yeah, uh, I think we can uh, bargain with Chancellor Lena So, which obviously is the Chancellor from the High Republic, and that's like a nice tie to the High Republic without obviously being uh, too uh, like on the nose, which is pretty funny. But then it's the bit where Jabba says uh, he's obviously talking about the organisation. We obviously don't know the organisation is yet who has taken Han Solo. But he says there's something important to consider. This person who ran this organisation was not someone who could stay hidden this long. One way or the other, he would have revealed himself by now. And if, and, uh, if he hasn't, I believe he's dead. And uh, so they say, and if uh, the question is whoever this person is who's in charge may have killed this person, and if so, they're formidable. So that to me says obviously Jabba knew. Maul was in charge of Crimson Dawn back in the day, which is awesome. Which is which is a pretty cool tag because I didn't know if we knew. Because obviously Maul was in charge of the Shadow Collective and the Clone Wars, but then I did, uh, obviously the Huts are part of the Shadow Collective. After that, so that I just thought that was a really cool tie into obviously Jabba knowing that Darth Maul was in charge of Crimson Dawn and that if someone has taken him out, obviously we know how he's died. Uh, died. He obviously dies with. On uh, Tatooine with uh, Obi Wan, so it's not the person who takes him out, but then it's a really awesome panel to say, right? If someone has, they, obviously, it doesn't sound like Jabba's in fear, but it does kind of sound like he is a bit in fear of this person if they have taken out Darth Maul. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I think Jabba's very much being very thoughtful. Yeah, it's like you know, like I don't think it's Maul because Maul would yeah. have shown himself by now. Maul's dead. Who's Maul? Maul's no longer control the Shadow Collective, is it someone who um, which is sort of good logic to go off and if that's the case I mean he'd be very careful how we proceed Jabba's been very careful I would say and he's not overestimating anybody here um, in sort of his, his planning and stuff um, so yeah and then we see a picture of like all these hut ships um, that are waiting just having this meeting Ah, uh, yeah, I, I like this as well because obviously we just think of them as criminals, but they have—they actually have got a vast empire, the Hut Cartel. So they have warships, they have pilots, they have starfighters, and all that type of thing. So they are a formidable uh, force. 
and Jabba says we will be ready for what happens. Um, and then we see Boba's st- still like all all Jabba's people, Squid Head, everyone who's in the everyone who's in the Jabba's palace still comes out to pack up Bib Fortuna. And Jabba says, uh, Boba says, you know who I am. You got a firefight here. You might kill me, but I guarantee I'll kill a lot of you. And they That's- sort of believe him. This is one of my favourite panels. Obviously, he says, you know, I am a Boba Fett. You know what that means. This is all of you who want to live, who doesn't. But I promise you, fight me and you die, but most of you will be dying. And they all back off, which is just obviously the reputation Boba Fett has in this underground, uh, underground, underworld setting. No, definitely. And then, uh, so they decide not to fight him and they let him pass through with Big Fortuna. Um because he wants to see the invitation himself, and this is where we're going to get the big giveaway at the end of the book. Um, so we see the hologram of the hooded woman with the hands on common right. You, Jabba, most exalted of all hoods, you in- are invited to be present alongside representatives of the great galactic powers to witness the return of Crimson Dawn. So we finally get the word Crimson yeah. Dawn mentioned. Um, we do not wish to antagonise or cause friction or upset existing arrangements. We wish only to engage with galactic society to do business to prosper. You will find we can be a very useful organization, able to achieve and obtain things no one else can, such as this particular prize, Captain Han Solo, which we offer to you as a gesture of goodwill. We have extended similar invitations to your council, Jabba. We look forward to welcoming you to our celebration on Jakara. Until then, we'll wait at the door. Um, so Jakara, I haven't heard of that world before, have you? No, I think it's uh, I think it's new. Uh, I'll, I'll have a look quickly, but yeah, I think it's a new world. So this is obviously Jakara seems to be the place where, well, we Crimson are definitely holding this celebration on Jakara. Celebrations or not, I don't know. Uh, we will find out. Um, but yeah, we get the name Crimson Dawn. Uh, we get this is you know she knows the way to Jabba's heart is with Boba Fett, is with um, Han Solo. Sorry. Um, yeah. And they must they must have been clued in as to what was happening with Han and where he was on Best Pin and all that type of thing and knew that Fett had him. Um so yeah. Fett's very much like so like Crim Dawn is back and stole Solo from under me to impress Jabba. And it's like, yeah, that is what the plan is. Um but yeah, it was this point where I was like, no way, they're not doing this, surely not. Like, in a good way. Like, I was like, this is crazy. You've got to repair my flying into Cara and get my party back. That's a bit. But how? I mean, in its current state, there was only one man, and he goes, no, I am Boba Fett. I said at the beginning of all this that someone was going to die. Now I know who, <laughs> um, yeah. which was again a fantastic yeah. line. Um, and then we actually see Chikara, the mid rim, and we see these um, sort of yacht type ships, three of them landing. Um, and it looks like uh, I don't know if it's an ice world or, or what. Yeah, it says, uh, it says on Wikipedia that it's an ice world. It's an ice world. Yeah, it says on Wikipedia that is, yeah. Someone asked. Do you mind if I ask? Um, if Mr. Wick needed something that would get the attention of the entire galaxy, or better or worse, I believe that was Han Solo. 
was another little joke here saying, How is that possible? Isn't he just a smuggler with a terrible reputation? <laughs> that was a little, little <laughs> dig that Han always gets given his way. Um, but then I'll point out that Han is connected to every important faction in the galaxy, the Rebel Alliance, um, who want him back and love him. The Empire, who you know, have used him to try and capture Skywalker, they've used him to try and get what they want. Um, you know, so one of those people like um, Sana and uh, Dr. Afra, uh, and yeah. then we, all, we see Dengar and Valance on the Bounty Hunter series, uh, and then we also see Jabba the Hood, of course. Yeah, and this is where in the next panels where we first see a cough. Yeah. Now you'll get his chance. Then we see it's actually Kira from Solo Star Wars Story who is running Crimson Dawn. Yeah. And just as just as the, the thing you even get the name drops, says finished preparations, the guest should be arriving soon. And Margot's runner says, Yes, Lady Kira, and that is it. That is the first issue of the Wall of Bounty Hunters. Yeah, so I, I really love this. Um what I did love is I loved how like, I feel if I hadn't have read the director's cut and just did it at issue one, I still would have loved it. But I wouldn't have had, like, that whole backstory of Boba Fett sort of in, in the carbon freeze having an issue and him already going through hell before mm-hmm. even going into this even new hell. So I'm really glad I'd got the director's cut first. I'm glad I read the alpha um, before episode one. Um, like I, said, I don't think it would take away anything from the story, but I just think it really does get you the feels for actually... Boba Fett's already gone through a war already on North Shadow, uh, but now he's going to have to go through another one. Yeah. Definitely, mate. Uh, yeah, I love this issue. It's one of my favourite Star Wars comics of all time. Charles Soule is one of my favourite Star Wars storytellers. Like, I've loved all his comics, the Paul Dameron comic, the Darth, Mo- uh, Darth Vader comic, and some of the Lando comic he did way back in 2015. He tells uh, great stories. I also love like the Jedi, which was his first Star Wars novel, which was tremendous. So he's one of my favorite Star Wars storytellers, and uh, he knocked out the park with this. Like I said, uh, we all know. Like I said, we all know that Boba Fett does deliver Han Solo to uh, Jabba. So when this first started, I thought, all right, it'll be a fun adventure. We'll see a lot of cool stuff. But at the end of the day, we know how it ends. But now bringing in obviously Kira. That's what the story's about, if you know what I mean. Like we, like we don't know what happens to her, so we don't know. I, I, I don't think they'll kill her off in a comic. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff going around at the moment about Amelia Clark wanting to reprise the character. I just saw that on Twitter this morning. So I think it'd be a shame if they killed her off in the comic. I don't think they will. I hope they don't anyway. And uh, yeah, so now with that, obviously that one shock at the end of the first issue, now it makes it like must read if you know what I mean yeah definitely you've read some of the uh, the tie-ins and the other lines on here the Star Wars comic and I have, the yeah. Vader comic yeah How, does it tie in much to sort of what we've just read or uh, yes the last one I've read was the Bounty Hunters number just let me check I'm just going from your library now because I, I can't remember all of them right off the top of my head because some of them have been out for a while the last one I read was Bounty Hunters 13 which is obviously, I'll just give you the quick overrun of it. Basically, Dengar and Valance are working together to track down Boba Fett because obviously Valance has a debt to Han Solo. He saved his life. We obviously saw that way back in the Han Solo Cadet series that was released by Marvel. 
and uh, they end up they're on Nashidar and they're fighting Chewbacca who's trying to think but obviously Chewbacca doesn't want to fight but then Valance makes a pact with Chewbacca to obviously say that you uh, if you care about Han Solo you'll stay out of Chewbacca's way and then he's a really obscure character uh, do you remember the old Star Wars Uprising mobile game that came out like when they first the first game that came out yeah yeah do you remember a character called Death Stick Yep. She's in this. She's right at the end. She's an assassin for Crimson Dawn. Right. Awesome. That's so, cool. So they are pulling out some... <laughs> I didn't even know who it was because I never played Uprising. So I was like, who's that? And then I Googled it. It was like, oh, she's from the uh, Star Wars Uprising game. So yeah, she's in that. So yeah, you've got her in play because obviously Crimson Dawn come at the end. And they're really building up in the uh, in some of these preludes. Obviously, some of these other issues, the threat of Crimson Dawn and how terrified people are of Crimson Dawn coming back. Because obviously, it says Crimson Dawn have been dormant for about 15 years at this point. Uh, so, they've come but they've come out of the shadows. Obviously, they've been in the shadows, but they've never truly gone away. Uh, the first Star Wars tie-in one, yeah, Luke and Lando and all that go to Nar Shaddaa just after just after Boba Fett has been there. This is just after he's left, obviously, with the arena. They see, obviously, a guy in Mandalorian armor who's won. But then the Kanji Huts, who obviously wanted Boba to think, think they're friends with Boba Fett, so they have to escape the planet and all that type of thing. And then uh, the next tie-in issue is Darth Vader, which is out tomorrow. And apparently Darth Vader... Darth Vader yes, he will be working with, obviously, Orchie of Bastoon and IG-88 is in this one. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, obviously, Vader's after Intel because there's a new threat rising, which I assume references Crimson. Um, yeah. But but the ruthless bounty hunter IG88 knows Vader's weakness. And the oh, tagline, no, for the, the tagline yeah. for the issue is Dark Droid versus Dark Lord. Yeah. So I imagine, uh, we're, yeah. Getting, imagine we're getting IG88 versus Vader, maybe. Yeah, it does say that uh, the com- the. The uh, the cover of the comic is obviously Vader fighting IG88, which is pretty sweet. And obviously, we've seen what IGs can do with IG11 in the Mandalorian. But the only thing that makes me laugh is every time I hear like see an IG talk, I would just say Tyker's voice. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, we, and then we've got Doctor Afra 11 coming out on the yeah. I must escape the luxury cruise from hell, and the bounty hunter do. Yes, we're finally, we're going to see uh, obviously Dirge from the Clone Wars micro series brought into canon in this issue, which is uh, pretty sweet. I like Dirge from the thing. I always obviously thought he was a bit overpowered, couldn't really kill him, but yeah, I wonder what his backstory will be now because uh, I know he dies in the Clone Wars in the uh, like in the comics, uh, like the old Legends comics. So obviously he survives the Clone Wars this time, and he's still about. Uh, look, like. Uh, Book of Boba Fett, I'd want to see all the bounty hunters, me on Dirge, uh, Fennec, obviously Fennec Shan, Bosk, Dengar, all of them, Cad Bane. I would love to see them all in live action. Definitely, I think you know this series is going to be a game. I think with the, with all the live action series that are planning, so I think it's, you know we've got the Book of Boba Fett coming, we've got Mandalorian season three coming after that. Um, and what an appetite for bounty hunters with this brilliant series that started off so well. Um, so yeah, bring it on, bring on all the bounty hunters in all the different mediums. Yeah, because they've already they've already said 
there's already obviously we don't go much into room, but they've already said Bosk will be in the uh, book of Boba Fett, so which is pretty sweet. No, it isn't. What's on one line so far? No, just like I said, really shocked. Obviously, they pulled the Kira card. I thought if they were going to do a continuation of the solo stuff, it would be on screen. So I don't know whether that means they don't have plans to do anything solo related because they've brought it back in a comic. But uh, yeah, really surprised. And uh, it's got me hooked now, obviously, wanting to know what happens to Kira. No, definitely. It's, I think the, it, was the perfect, it was the perfect start to really get me excited about this series, I thought. With the, the way they set up in Alpha, the director's cut, and the way they've done in issue one of this book, and got me really. So when I first got announced, I was excited about it, but I got to see where it goes. But then the opening's got me like, right, I'm, I'm all in for this right now. It's going to be fantastic. 100%, mate. I couldn't agree with you more. Can't wait for the uh, next like, main War the Bounty is an issue, which is, I think is out in July, to be fair. I'll find out for you in just a second. So, War of the Bounty Hunters issue two is July. Yes, doesn't have a date yet. Oh, so it looks like so. War of the Bounty Hunters is going to be released at the beginning of every month by the looks of it. So, there's one in July, one in August, one in September, and then one in October. Which I'll obviously uh, see out the series. Yep. Fantastic. Ian, where can the people find you on social media? I am at on social media at Star Wars Ian uh, and then obviously a part of the Star Wars network as well uh, on Twitter and Instagram 14th of July mate by the way quickly sorry to interrupt you what the bounty was too fantastic I can't wait for 14th of July I can't wait to get my hands on it yeah awesome well Ian thank you very much for joining me again listeners thank you very much for listening may the force be with you all and remember always tell that to Kanjik Club Please follow us on Twitter at Boar's Star. That's at B-O-R-E-S-S-T-A-R. And on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Podcast. You can also reach us on email at starboarspodcast at gmail.com. Star Wars Show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever podcasts can be found. Please give us a like, subscribe, and don't forget to leave a five-star review. May the force be with you.